If you're good at something, never do it for free. Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? Typhoon, y'all know me, and I'm coming up, just wait and see. If you're good at something, never do it for free. But if you're great at something, would you still agree? Hey everyone, welcome back to Kevin and the Wu-Tang Clan. And today I have Michael here live, still in New Jersey. Um, as we talk about week 17 of the regular season. And can you believe it, Mike? Playoffs start next week. It's an exciting mm. time of year. We got Christmas, we got New Year's, and of course, we got playoff football. So nothing more that we can really ask for. And Michael's heading to Aruba, so can't really complain about that either. Yep. So, Mike. Welcome back onto the podcast, and uh, yeah, it was an exciting Sunday of football. Like all the games, no Thursday night game, no no Monday night games, just classic Sunday night game or Sunday games all day today. And it really capped off with a really exciting. S- we just finished watching that Sunday night football game. Yep. Um, Matter Vinch is Jacob Hollister getting stopped at literally probably like the one inch line. Uh, yeah. A lot of confusion happening at the end of that game. Crazy plays. My mom was commentating as we were <laughs> watching the game. Uh, do you kind of want to go through that, Mike? Yeah, so we just finished the 49ers Seahawks game. What a game overall. Um, yeah, that last drive where they took a penalty um, for delay of game. I just couldn't believe that happened. And the fact that that last play just came down to like what you said, just a matter of inches. And honestly, he might have still broken the plane, to be very honest. It was close. And, uh, you know, my mom watching, giving some good commentary, saying that uh, she could have done that run. <laughs> she could have <laughs> broke the plane. So, um, Did it yeah, Jacob Hollister got to gotta work on that I a little bit. I really got flashbacks from my uh, middle school soccer days slash your probably fencing days of when your when our mom would kind of encourage us slash yell really loud things from the stands of in terms of like what she would do. Um, so mm-hmm. it was kind of brought me back to those times. So it was really funny. Yeah, I, I still remember one time uh, in fencing. One time, <laughs> dad giving me advice. Not mom actually. Dad giving me advice. So on a fencing strip, he basically told me to go on the right side because I would have a better angle. And I was like, Dad, I've been doing this for uh, 10 years. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. That's why I'm losing. Yeah. So it mi- it just kind of like shows like the casual fan and uh, casual fandom thinking that we can be the Sunday stars um, on the field mm-hmm. uh, from our seats. So it's kind of funny just to listen to um, all the co- different types of commentary that ends up happening from our couches on a Sunday. But yeah, that was an, a really exciting game. The The play that Michael's alluding to, um, Russell Wilson completes a 4th and 10 play um, to uh, this random, I think he was like drafted in the 7th round rod- wide receiver as Tyler Lockett was out injured towards the end of the game. They completed the pass. But then George Fant ends up getting hurt and like the the playcocks running down Mm. and they literally did not on on first down. They spiked it really quick. Second down, uh, second and goal from like the one. There was a ton of confusion, delay of game, and that might have cost them the game. And that just like that just kind of shows like the preparation 
and and you can't really put it on the coaching staff because there was just so much chaos slash confusion going on during that game. Yeah, I and think the twelfth man might have hurt them, and that with instance, all the noise and all stuff. the chaos going on. Yeah, yeah, and and there was like questions as to whether or not they broke the plane on that fourth and ten play. Clearly, wasn't broken at all. And then like the fourth down play, fourth and goal play to Jacob Hollister over the middle. And that was it was just like a bang bang play, really crazy. A lot of questions as to what whether he broke it or not. But with the result of that, uh, San Francisco ends up getting the one seed. Seattle falls to the fifth seed, and that really and that solidif- We're just waiting on that matchup to solidify the playoff matchups for um, the rest. Uh, or for the 2019-2020 season. So, mm-hmm. Mike, we'll get into the playoff matchups later, but let's talk about some of the Week 17 games um, that kind of surprised you or shocked you. And I ended up finishing 1-4 and four, uh, this week. Uh, I think, uh, a lot of close losses for I me, honestly. I had the Bucks, the Cardinals, Raiders, and Seahawks, I think, uh, all lost by one possession. So... Um, really, re- and and the Bengals pulled it out for me over over Cleveland because I knew Cleveland didn't have a That's shot crazy. in hell. But Mike, any of the, and I think let's let's talk about the most natural surprising game for us. It's got to be that Pats Miami game, right? Like yeah. the Patriots were trying in that game because mm. they needed to win the game to get get and solidify the two seed. And what ends up happening, Mike? They lose. Yeah, like explain that to me. Yeah, so they definitely had to be trying because that two versus three seed, like that is a huge, like just having the buy is just a huge, huge advantage. Um, and for the Patriots to be, I believe they're at home and at lose home. right and lose that game. That's it's insane to me because the Patriots really like we joke around that they haven't been able to move the ball, but against a Dolphins defense, that's probably like top bottom two or three worst in the league you know they were only able to put up 24 points at home and and what we're seeing from this Patriots team is that like 25 is like their upper limit right Right. like they might not even hit 25 um Mm -hmm. but that is kind of their limit although they did get 34 on the Bengals um so they basically got over 25 like I believe once out of the past five Seven games, eight. Well, yeah, eight games. So it's uh, it's pretty unbelievable that the Patriots aren't able to put up points, and it just shows how wide open this AFC is, right? Um, you know, in past years, I would kind of fear the Patriots, and you know, I, I'm probably jinxing it right now, but um, I bet you a lot of fans are kind of happy to see that the Patriots might have a hard time making the Super Bowl this year. Well, just talking to some fan friends that are Patriots fans, I could tell that they're nervous because that, and you alluded to it, the, the difference between a three seed and a two seed is huge in the AFC, especially just because of the bye. But the Patriots are going to have to play one extra game and then they're going to have to go on the road after the divi- or the wild card, um, wild card games. And, to potentially go try to beat Tennessee at home, who's shown decent stuff. They're playing well now. Yeah, played playing decently with Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. But then 
to go on the road to potentially play the Chiefs and then the Ravens, that's not an easy road to the Super Bowl that's, yeah. um, at all. And then just to kind of uh, on the flip side, if they're the two seed, they would have been able to limit that and then ha- at least have a home game during the divisional matchups. Yeah, Probably Texans, Bills, like yeah. they kind of own those two teams. Like, right. I, <laughs> I, if I was a Patriots fan, I might rather play one of those two teams over Tennessee, even to be mm-hmm. very honest. But, um, but yeah, no, definitely one of the more surprising games, and we'll talk more about that at the, you know, later in the pod. Yep, uh, and and I wanted to go to a couple other games because I there were some other games early on that had some like very surprising results, like the the Packers Lions game. That was like a really interesting matchup as well because the Lions were leading 20 to 13 midway through the fourth quarter before Aaron Rodgers kind of led the Packers back uh, to 23 20 victory. But they they needed to solidify their seating in the NFC because if they weren't able to do it um, or able to win, then they wouldn't have gotten um, home field. Um, at least for their first game in the divisional round um, as a two seed. And they look like they're struggling against a Lions team that's going to be choosing third in the NFL draft with third worst record. And it's just unbelievable that they weren't able to do that. Yeah, and the Packers, it, it just didn't seem like... It, I mean, for a two seed in the NFC to struggle that much against a team like that, it's kind of, it's a little bit surprising and a little bit worrying for the Packers going into the playoffs, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, it was a road game, granted, but the Lions literally have no motivation to win that game at all. They're probably more incentivized to lose that game, and for them to be in it like that is somewhat of a concern for the Packers. I wonder if that's reflected in your potential Super Bowl picks coming up in the podcast, Mike. Um, any other matchups or games that kind of caught your eye um, leading into um, the playoffs? No, I mean, the Ravens beating the Steelers with their, like, B team. Um, interesting <laughs> that the Steelers weren't able to get it done. Titans being the Texans taking care of business and locking up that playoff seed. Um, yeah, they took care of business, and I think the Titans are a team that – um, you know, we talked about how the Patriots are struggling while well, the Titans look pretty good. So we'll talk about that matchup a little bit more. Yeah, it, it just didn't like there weren't that many interesting games. Mm-hmm. Um, this I would say this last Sunday, except for maybe the Patriots game because of obviously the surprise that they weren't able to pull it out and the San Francisco game because of the playoff jockeying slash seeding. But usually I feel like there's a winner-take-all type of matchup. Like in that last Sunday night game, like whoever mm. whoever wins is in and whoever is out is, is – or whoever loses is out. And we just didn't have like the high raise stakes there. Um, it was kind of interesting seeing the Cowboys um, – crushing the Redskins in what potentially is Jason Garrett's last game. So, Mike, that leads me into the Black Monday topic of the NFL, which 
for the listeners that don't usually follow the NFL or this is their first time following the NFL, traditionally the Monday after the last game of the regular season, week 17, is when most coaches are informed of whether or not they kept their job going into next year, especially those coaches that had uneven performances the past year. And Mike, we've already found out news after Cleveland ended up losing to the Bengals. They didn't even give Freddie Kitchens the respect Mm. of going through the night of being the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, but he was informed that he is being let go after his first season, finishing 6-10 and with that collection of talent. Mike, do you ultimately think that was the right move there? I do. Yeah, so <laughs> it's it's uh, kind of funny that the Browns kicked that one off uh, a little di- a, li- a day early here, but I do think it's the right call. I don't think that you could keep Kitchens as a head coach, especially with um, later on as the weeks have been going on, we've been hearing more and more reports how kind of crazy that locker room has gotten where OBJ is saying, like, come get me. Um, you know, him and Landry, Kitchens and Landry had, like, a little spat on the sideline. Baker has, you know, regressed immensely. So I just don't think that um, Freddie Kitchens was a, was a one to kind of put all the pieces and all the talent together here. And a 6-10 and ten record. This was a team that was a number two bet to make and win the Super Bowl. So... There were some expectations heading in, and we do think that the uh, the Browns are talented, but when you're the most penalized team in the league, when you lose to the Bengals in your final game, like it's it's just not it's it's just not a vote of confidence. So I do think that getting rid of Kitchens was a right call. Right. And then there's a lot of other rumors from other coaches. So Mike, I'm gonna just kind of throw it to you um, and like give you the coach's name and we'll play this little game of like whether or not the team should keep him or he's going to be let go. And it's kind of dire to be playing this type of game, but it's for the fun of it. Mike, what about Dan Quinn in Atlanta? Do you bring him back or is he let go after, what is it, two or three years since their Super Bowl appearance? Um, Yep. And they struggled mightily in the beginning of the season before they kind of recovered and showed some progress um, in the second half. Yeah, I think you do keep him um, with a short leash to start off the next season. So the Falcons started, I believe, one and seven for their first eight games and finished off six and two. Um, and they got a bunch of good wins against, you know, the 49ers, uh, the top NFC team. Uh, they beat the Bucks. they beat the Panthers, they beat you know, the Saints. Um, So they had a bunch of quality wins, even being the Eagles early on in the season. So they they had a a lot of really close games, actually, now that I look at it. So I would keep Dan Quinn. Um, You know, he has shown the ability, like, to get a team to the Super Bowl, right? I know there's a bit of a hangover, but um, how many – you know, coaches out there, can you say, like, led a team to the Super Bowl pretty recently? So I would keep him. And okay. he seems to have a vote of confidence from some of the star players, like Julio coming out in his defense right. and very it's been, strongly. And it's been reported um, f- this past Friday that he'll be coming back for 2020. But it was just interesting to get your take on whether or not you would keep Dan Quinn or not. Mm. All right, let's move on to the NFC East, Mike, where there's a couple names 
Um, that'll be interesting. The most obvious name, Jason Garrett he's of going. Dallas. Is he is he somehow by some miracle keeping his job? He's no. No. There there is a small chance if <laughs> if the rumors are true that he has some dirt on <laughs> Jerry Jones, like there is a very small chance. But he's gone but, probably, right? Yeah, I do think that every like Cowboys fan would become they would have to like choose a different team like they probably see the season as like a success because Jason Garrett's going to be gone and we talked about it last week but like you know to lose to the Eagles 17-9 like only put up nine points against in your most pivotal game when you have a top three off top five offense right especially with the weapons they have yeah yeah unbelievable like it it just doesn't pure talent wise yeah so it doesn't quite make sense um regarding that game and and I know they uh were able to beat on the Redskins but too little too late and I think that Jason Garrett's going to lose his job. Yep. Um, and there and there's a week. couple there's a couple names being floated out there Lincoln Riley of of Oklahoma as a potential replacement or Ohio State former former Ohio State boss Urban Meyer according mm. to um Ian Rapport um that he might be a potential replacement so that would be kind of interesting mm. um i think that's becoming popular trying to bring in the college coach um to bring some of that flair um offensively so i'm curious to see whether or not one of those guys are enticed by the opportunity to to coach a big name franchise like dallas that's um, interesting yeah. yeah like for me the cowboys some of their biggest problems have been less around the offense because that's looked pretty good. Um, they're still like a top five offense for the season, but the defense struggled and special teams, right? Just a bunch of like preparation and also like in game decisions where it, you basically have like a you know fourth and inches and you know they decide to punt it off when they're at that like 50 yard, you know, yeah, it, it just was some questionable decision making so i know you bring a college coach in they might shake things up but you know you might also want to look at some steadier hands who will be able to make the right decisions um and just provide some consistency yeah it didn't it, it just seems like a lot of the issues for the cowboys are coaching related and co- like decision related instead of talent related yep. where maybe the front office kind of screwed up in getting the talent they proved that they could get someone like Amari Cooper through the trade um through trade channels and things like that yep. so it's it's shown like and then they have Michael Gallup, Randall Cobb like so they have a talented wide receiving core they paid Zeke all that money. Dak is coming up for you know mm-hmm. that extension and all that. Uh, the offensive line is there, so like offensively they have the talent, and then defensively Demarcus Lawrence and and they're gonna have to re-sign a couple of guys. Um, but they have a lot of talent on this team, and it, it like you were kind of saying, it reflected poorly on the coaches. Um, and their inability to coach these guys up to put them in positions to win. So it'll be interesting there. I'm going to throw out another NFC East name, Mike. Pat Shermer of the Giants. Is he let go after a couple pretty bad seasons? Yeah, I do. I, I think he, he gets let go, too. 
I mean, the Giants have not. I I I think last season, what were they like, four and twelve as well? Yeah, not great. So, so yeah, again, looking at a four and twelve season, Daniel Jones has been a bright spot. Right? Serviceable. Serviceable. Um, still not sold though, to be honest. Saquon starting to look better at the end of the season, but I think the Giants, you know. I think they did have some higher expectations coming into the season, right? And I don't think that those were met. So I, I think that they decide to move on from Shermer, who hasn't really shown, like, there's, like, no – there's no bright spot, to be honest. Like, yep. the defense has been horrible, especially the past defense. It's terrible. And, um, yeah, the offense hasn't looked particularly good. And either. that's his specialty. And – yeah, so I'm looking at their wins. Like they beat the Redskins twice, the Bucks and the Dolphins. You know, even our Jets were able to beat them. So I th- I think that he he gets fired. All right, Mike. Um, I got a couple more. Actually, let's complete the trifecta. Um, in the NFC East, Washington fires Jay Gruden. There's been a lot of reports as to Marvin Lewis being in contention, but mm. then the big name out there is Ron Rivera, who was let go by the Carolina Panthers this year is going to be right back um, in the coaching ranks with the Panthers um, reported by Rappaport as well as there with the deal possibly coming together fairly quickly for him to replace um, Jay Gruden um, for Washington. So what would you think about that? There was also talks about maybe kind of pairing um pairing uh, Dwayne Haskins with his old college coach, Urban Meyer, and they have the second pick, so maybe Chase Young or Ohio State, um, like University being replicated out in Washington, D.C. So, Mike, what are your thoughts about Rivera and potentially someone like Urban Meyer? Mm. I I think that would be an interesting play, but I'm just not convinced that Dwayne Haskins is the guy. I don't think – or – you know, no, I I don't think he's the guy. Like having watched a little bit m- too much Redskins on Red Zone sometimes, like he just has not looked good. Accuracy, decision making, um, it's it's just not. You know, haven't haven't seen any like blow up game with Daniel Jones where you see the bright spot as well. So for me, I think the Redskins uh, have a lot. I have a ton to figure out here. And Bill Callahan, I, I honestly don't think he did the worst job. He, a lot of close games um, when they fired Gruden. So for me, uh, you know, I think that who they're interviewing, they're looking at Ron Rivera. They're looking at um, a few, you know, a few other more like, you know, Mike McCarthy, I think was a name that was thrown out yep. there. So honestly, it's, it's, it's not just a, you know, coaching thing that needs to be rehauled here, but a talent thing. Too. Yep. So there's a lot of problems at the Redskins, but I do think they should uh, bring in a new coach because Callahan did a good job, but some of some of his quotes were just kind of interesting where it's just like, <laughs> just got to <laughs> run the ball like a million times, which, you know, in this day and age, I'm not sure. Right, and you mentioned McCarthy's name, and he's been linked to the potentially to the uh, Carolina job as well. So mm. um, he's been reported out there. It'll be interesting to see like what types of guys will get chances um, offensively. I wonder if Greg Roman gets a chance as well. 
um, who's the offensive coordinator for the Baltimore Ravens, kind of utilizing similar skill set with uh, Cam Newton kind of playing in the role of Lamar Jackson. Jackson, not nearly as explosive in terms of running the ball, but similar style quarterbacks in terms of um, like fairly mobile, like obviously Lamar's like on a whole nother level mobility wise and yeah. getting out of the pocket, but Cam can run too, um, mm. just in a different style using more of his physicality. So I wonder if um, they bring in Greg Roman to kind of rehaul that offense um, mm. and with Cam in mind, because it doesn't seem like Kyle Allen or Will Greer are the answers at quarterback. No, for Kyle Allen looked good initially. I, he looked good for the first few games, but I don't know if it's watching the game tape or something, but like by the end of his run, he looked like probably the worst quarterback. <laughs> like it, it was really bad. Yeah, it really, was really, really bad. It didn't go great. So, so yeah, they were four and two. Right. Carolina looked good. All right. And then they lost a ton in a row. Yeah. So. All right. So two more coaching uh, things before we move on. Um, quickly mention draft order after that, and then we'll get into uh, the nitty-gritty of yep. the playoffs. So, Mike, um, it was reported by Diana Rossini of ESPN that Doug Marone would be let go after Week 17. Mm. But um, Shad Khan, who's the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, kind of comes out and refutes the report and says that um, that isn't 100% true, and he's going to reevaluate his options. So it does. It wasn't a ringing endorsement of Doug Marone keeping his job, but it kind of set, stated mm. that a decision hadn't been made yet. So ultimately, Mike, Doug Marone, Jacksonville Jaguars, are you keeping him, or is he hitting the road? I mean... He was dealt a tough hand, like Foles going out that first game. Um, yeah, and then Jalen Ramsey getting traded. So it, he was dealt a tough, tough hand, to be very fair. I think I might try and keep him, to be very honest. Yeah, I I, I just think he was. it was pretty tough position that he was placed in. And he's proven that he can win football games if – given the right situation. Yep. Um, so I, I just thought he was given like a raw deal. And you kind of saw this year that Jacksonville defense uh, like really regressed to the mean in terms of their yep. their defense. So maybe they're able to retool things and kind of go at it next year, hopefully with a healthy Nick Foles, or maybe they move on to Gardner Minshew um, at quarterback next year and mm. kind of go with the youth movement. But there was just a lot of uncertainty, especially after Foles went out, because I think a lot of people were talking about them as potential AFC South uh, winners. Like, I think that, yep. like you were saying um, in the beginning of the year, you're kind of high on the Jaguars before uh, Foles went out. Yeah, I would embrace the youth movement here. I mean, they have a ton of, you know, draft capital with the Jalen Ramsey trade. Um, and, the, you know, Gardner Minshew, 18 touchdowns, five interceptions. He, I mean, he looked great. He looked great, to be honest. And, you know, the receiving court isn't really there. Um, There's a couple guys like DJ Chark who, who are kind of... Fantasy stars, yeah. yeah. But I'm not sure. Like, yeah, it's a solid wide receiving court. Um, the defense, you know, you have your number one pick, Josh Allen, from last year. Um, 
the defense still has some playmakers too. So I think that you embrace the youth movement, see what you can get in the upcoming drafts, and I think maybe keeping Doug Marone and see what he can do for a year. Right. So, Mike, I w- last coach I wanted to talk about, and this is kind of my way to weave in the Jets' entire mm. podcast inevitably, Adam Gase, look, analyzing his performance in that first year, it's already been reported by Chris Johnson, who's the CEO of the Jets, that he will be coming back for the 2020 season. Mike, ultimately, Adam Gaze, the Jets finished 7-9 and nine in his first season with a relatively easy schedule, that I might add. What were your thoughts on his performance? And if you were the owner, what would your decision be? I'm going to keep Gase. I mean, another coach that was dealt a rough hand. At the beginning of the season, Darnold, you know, going out to some random bar and picking up Mono. (laughs) I mean, that really killed us. You know, we started off the season one and seven and managed to finish it off, um, you know, I believe like six and two, right? So it was a good way to end the season. Incredibly easy schedule. We should have made the playoffs. It's it's actually incredible that, you know, if we had beaten the Bengals and we had beaten the Dolphins, and, I mean, yeah, there are a few games I just, like, we did not show up for at all. I'm going to keep Gase, but it is not a humongous vote of confidence as a Jets fan. And I'll say that because... The offense has been very hot and cold, and to lose these games that we should clearly win with our talent is pretty concerning. But we had a ton of people on IR. Um, you know, C.J. Mosley out for most of the season. He was a huge playmaker um, and someone that I was incredibly high on early in the season. Um, and, you know, our defensive coordinator, Greg Williams, yeah, did a great job. So I, He coached him up this year, I thought. He really coached him up. And I... Th- I like, to be honest, I couldn't name a couple of the guys watching some of the games later in the season. Like, nope. ju- with all the players on IR, there was, like, a couple guys um, playing linebacker, you know. Cornerback. Cornerback that I was just like, yeah. Like, it, you could tell me they're in the XFL or, like, are they an XFL player or a New York Jet? And I would have literally no idea. And, yeah, the the Jets had, like, a top – 10 defense by a lot of measures especially their run defense um was i believe like a top, top three, five yeah top something three like that defense. like that's crazy to me yeah um but yeah so i think that i i would keep gase right not a huge vote of confidence want to see that consistency but overall as a jets fan considering how we started the season it's a lot better than we thought let's shore up the offensive line um and honestly, I do think that we should be making the playoffs yeah, starting next year. Hopefully, we can smooth out relationships with uh, Jamal Adams. We so need him. We yeah. need him. He's um, our best player. Yeah, he proved it. He kind of was like, especially with like all the stuff going on in the middle of the season and him just being like, you know what? I'm going to just sack the quarterback and like force fumbles and, yeah. and do all his like crazy safety things he ended up doing. Um yep. And proving, I think, a lot of Jets fans wrong in terms of, like, being okay with letting him go for draft capital. And maybe that is ultimately the right move, but he's proven how valuable of a player he is. No, he wants to stay in New York. and Like, we I, want players yeah. that want to stay, of yeah. course. Yeah. Why would you trade him? Like, yeah. I, unless it's some, like, amazing offer, I would not trade him. He brings... 
like the leadership too. Like that amount of leadership, it's it's something that uh I, I really want in the Jets and that kind of leadership, swagger, confidence. Um so yeah, let's not trade him. Let's not do something stupid here. Exactly. So Mike, uh to recap week seventeen, I ended up going one and four in the picks, so you ended up winning. I think you went nineteen um and or I went nineteen and twenty three. So you ended up beating me by four games mm. um thankfully we didn't have a punishment for for the loser there um so yeah I it's don't not know. too late <laughs> i don't know if we can retroactively uh do that and then also i did want to give a quick update on fantasy football i told you guys and the listeners last week that i ended up in a tie in the finals which is ridiculous um and there was a lot of controversy as to how it would end up. We actually ended up finishing it in second place um, by default from ESPN because they were the higher seed. And for it to come down to that, that was a tough pill to swallow. If uh, they were the higher seed, then, I mean, they probably had higher points scored, right? Nope, we had higher points scored. It right, then the, that's a little that's a little hi- shaky. They were a higher seed because they had a better record, which I think is ultimately a terrible yeah. measure of like determining that. So we got to get that cleaned up for next year. So we'll see. But ultimately, fantasy, I was pretty happy about that. So Mike, um, let's turn our attention to. Um, Quickly, the draft order. I'll talk about the draft order real quick, and then we'll kind of go and break down each playoff game. So, Mike, draft order, top top uh, pick goes to Cincinnati. Looks like they're going to take Joe Burrow, the hometown kid, who's lit, lit it up for, I don't know, uh, LSU Tigers. I, I haven't been following college football too much, but I saw that he threw seven touchdowns in one half. Yep. So it looks like Cincinnati's going to take him. Um, and then Washington Redskins get the second pick. So we'll see where it goes there. Um, yeah, it'll be really interesting. And then Detroit gets the third, and then I believe New York Giants get the fourth pick. So I'm, I'm curious to kind of break that down going into the offseason, seeing who the Jets choose. I think the Jets are choosing 11th from what I saw um, based on record. So they could potentially still get a decent player at that 11th spot. All right, Mike. What everyone is here for, we're going to break down each of the playoff games and matchups for this weekend, Mike, kind of go in-depth, give our impact player, give our little X-factor, and maybe uh, throw in a couple different really interesting uh, takes there. So, Mike, let's go in order of the games. So, there's two Saturday games, two Sunday games during the Wild Card Weekend. Um, January 4th, Saturday, Texans-Bills, 435 start, Texans at home. Mike, we're giving our picks, so who are we picking? And kind of talk about why you think that way. Yeah, so for the Bills-Texans game, (sighs) I have the Texans. Okay, home team here. Yep, I'm going to go with the home team here. I for me this is a game where I just trust Deshaun Watson and hard to say why but like Bill O'Brien a little bit um it's a playoffs but honestly I do think the Texans they've been very hot and cold and this 
this pick is, you know, it's not a surefire. I'm not, like, super confident about this one at all, to be very fair. But I do think that the Texans have been pretty balanced on offense, have been able to get the Carlos High, Duke Johnson game going on. Um, so the offense is balanced. I, I believe Will Fuller has been healthy. Um, and he really changes that offense, just being able to stretch the field. So for me, the offense will be dynamic. It's going to score points. So not as worried on that end. But for the defense, that's kind of where, you know, they could really use some pass rush, right? And that's where someone like Jadivion Clowney, right, would have been extremely helpful for a game like this. So... So for me, yeah, I'm going to take the Texans just because I trust the offense a little bit more to perform. Going to be at home. Um, just those advantages overall over the Bills where, you know, the Bills just happy to be here, team. Right? Yeah, I it's, it's a really interesting matchup just because I don't think a lot of people expected the Bills to be here and maybe the maturation and progress of Josh Allen to kind of take him this far. Um, if you look back into their schedule with us being familiar with the AFC East, with the Jets being there, um, the Bills played a fairly soft schedule this year. Yeah, they take that's why they mm-hmm. they took full advantage of it. Um, I just like the Texans as well overall in terms of better talent. But the the one concern I have about the Texans, I think I was looking at the DVOA for um, the uh, defensive, basically the this defensive metric rating um, ranking defenses throughout the league and I think they're the lowest qualified playoff team um, ranked at like 22nd I believe in DVOA so that is a slight concern for the Texans um, but the Bills don't really have a prolific offense to take ca- um, take advantage of that a lot of their um, strength l- relies on their own defense um, and I think Deshaun Watson's going to be able to do enough against this Bills team. But I think it's going to actually be a fairly close game, and it's going to be kind of like one of those gritty wins um, because Buffalo plays re- some of these really tight games, and they kind of had their own version of a bye um, this past week with them being locked into the fifth seed. So I have the Texans. Um, Mike, is there an impact player that you're kind of looking towards to influence this game? Yeah, for me, I think it's going to be an interesting matchup with uh, what's called Nook and Tredavious White. Yeah. So that, that one. Ma- so you're circling that as like the whoever kind of wins that is gonna gonna take over. I. So the thing is, the Texans just have so many wide receivers. Like I think that they have so many options, but um, yeah, honestly, like for the Texans, like. It, that's one matchup that I'm going to keep a close eye out on. But uh, also Will Fuller. Like, if they don't have Will Fuller, then if Tredavious White is able to win that matchup, I think the Texans are going to have a really hard time moving the ball around. But if you have Will Fuller are able to stretch the field, then I do think that it, it's just going to be a big you know, opportunity. When you stretch the field, that really opens up your run game as well. Um because, yeah, your safeties are a little bit, you know, further out. Um, so for me, I you know, it's it's probably going to be Will Fuller and Nook. Yeah. Wide receivers here. Um, I, and, like, I think 
the and I, and to go along with that, the Will Fuller guy, um, the Will Fuller impact player is kind of the one that I was thinking about because Tre'Davious White has been really good on defensively on number ones, um, and I'm curious to see whether or not he's able to stretch the field enough because the Bills are ranked one of the top defenses in the league. I believe they're fifth in DVOA or set like they're in the top five, I believe. So right. they're gonna be able to stop and really kind of turn this game into one of those physical grinded out type of games. And that kind of relies on or that kind of goes back to like whether or not the Texans are gonna be able to run the ball enough to provide some space for some of their wide receivers. So I wonder if someone like Carlos Hyde is going to be able to create some type of tempo in their offense to kind of give them some nice chunk plays to keep them out of third and long um, for the Bills defense to go off on um, Deshaun Watson and a shaky offensive line for the Texans. So that's kind of my one player to look out for what the balance or like the one X factor is like what the balance is between run and pass for the Texans against this Bills defense. Um, so, Mike, we both had the Texans here. Yep. Um, that's fairly interesting. Um, who do you have in the second game, 8-15 on Saturday, Patriots versus Titans? We know who's going to be tuning in in our household, Mike, my dad, as a big Patriots fan. Um, a lot of Patriots fans were shocked uh, to be even in this position with them losing to Miami. Mike, who do you have in this game? Patriots are at home. Do you take the upset upset special? I think I might actually take the upset special here. Wow, Titans. Yep. I mean, bold. I mean, the Patriots just lost to the Dolphins. Yeah. And, and they were trying. They were definitely trying. So, for me, the Titans have looked quite good. Um, you know, they lost a few close games to the Texans and the Saints, but, um, you know, before that, they were on a four-game win streak. You think Tannehill. a little, little bit of Rabel magic going back to going back to Foxborough? We'll see. We'll see. So, I, I think that Tannehill has looked really good. And they're, you know, they've been NFL's fourth high-scoring offense ever since he replaced Mariota. Um so the Patriots have not been able to put up points, even when at home. Tannehill has been able to, you know, protect protect the ball, right? You know, 20 touchdowns, six interceptions. So for me, I think that if he's able to play a no-mistake kind of game, kind of a tall order, um, to be very fair against this New England secondary, then I think that the Titans, if they could just put up like 30 points, which I do think is possible, Especially with the way Derrick Henry, like, there's some crazy stats with Derrick Henry in the cold weather where he's just, like, incredibly hard to tackle. Um, <laughs> so he's a big boy. He, big boy. I think he had 30 carries for, like, over 200 yards today. So for me, I, I, I'm going to take the upset special. I think the Titans have all the tools to be able to win this game. Um, their defense is no joke as well. So... For me, um, I'm just going to take the Titans here. Yeah, it's it's a really interesting matchup. The Derrick Henry thing, I'm glad that he's back and healthy because he ended up sitting out week 16, I believe. So um, that was a potential concern as well. 
Um, so I, I'm, I, I think that was a huge concern as to whether or not he would be healthy and playing. It looks like he is with them scoring 200 or with that not scoring 200 points with him running 200 yards. Um, so I think that's a really big positive for them. Um, I think the one player and one player to look out for for the Titans is kind of whether or not they're going to get anything passing wise because this New England defense all year has kind of banked everything on their back seven um, in their secondary and whether or not they're able to get um, to stop this passing game that's kind of been prolific under Ryan Tannehill for the Titans, which has been surprising. Um, and this this Patriots team, probably eight weeks into the season, we're kind of talking about whether or not this is an all-time defense. Um, Fantasy-wise, they're creating so many different uh, ways of scoring fantasy points, um, and they were looking like this all-time defense, and that kind of regressed um, later into the year. So I'm curious to see whether or not this Patriots secondary steps up against players like A.J. Brown, um, who've really shown uh, a lot of growth over the past couple of um, weeks. Yeah, so I know that uh, A.J. Brown has looked good in the past few weeks, but I don't think that you know, I don't think that he's anyone. Stephon Gilmore is is going to be too, too worried to be going up against. And uh, you take out AJ Brown. I mean, this Tennessee Titans team have invested quite a bit of draft capital into their receiving. Uh, Corey Davis. You know, he was a first round pick in I think 2017, who had a huge, yep. huge amount of hype following him. So we'll see. You know, Corey Davis if he's able to get anything going, but. If I'm rolling with Deion Lewis and uh, Derrick Henry, then I'm honestly not feeling too bad about that option as well. So I think that they'll be able to have like a, a, a pretty balanced game going on. Um, and the Patriots just have not looked good. I'm like, I'm not even sure the Patriots will be able to put up like 20 points. In this mm, that's interesting. And I've and I didn't even give my pick, but I'm going Patriots. Um, they're at home. I would be fairly shocked if they lost this game. Um, and like, I, th- and like, I think a lot of people are kind of saying like, oh, it's over. Like they lost this Miami game and they were clearly trying to win this game and they gave up touchdown in the last 30 seconds of the Miami game. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I actually feel the other way. I feel like most people are like, all right, who cares if they lost the game to Miami? I really? think that most okay. people are going to go and say like, oh, like. The Patriots, they always turn it on. Like we can't, we can't doubt them. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be I, surprised. By I'm that. gonna, I'm gonna take the leap of faith and say that they're gonna be, they're actually done for this season. Wow. So that I mean, big proclamation. Yeah. So I think that most people are gonna say like, oh, it's the Patriots, like playoffs, home, Belichick, Brady, they always figure it out, right? Because it constantly you know overturn the doubters but sometime it has to end and i don't think that there's any there's nothing too special with these tight this titans team but um i think that either this game or against chiefs i think the next game is far more likely um for the chiefs game but um this will be my uh, upset special for the week okay mike sounds good um we got the sunday night or sunday they have a one o'clock game, four o'clock game. 
uh, the NFC games. Mike, Saints versus Vikings. Saints are at home, sitting in the three seed at 13-3, and three, which is ridiculous. I really like this Saints team. Love um, the Saints here, yep. To make the Super Bowl before the seedings kind of came out. But, Mike, who do you have here? You like the Saints here? Yeah, I like the Saints here. And uh, I don't expect any more miracle um miracle play with right this. that's a that it's a return of that yeah so it's a, a little bit of a revenge game and i think the saints take care of business here i think that they know you know they're extremely upset about what happened that one year and uh i to be honest the saints team i know they're the three seed but they've looked incredibly good um even these past few games breeze it seems like he's extremely motivated right now and yeah so you know, I, I've liked the Saints all season. I'm going to take the Saints, and I think that uh, this is my one of my more confident picks. So hopefully it doesn't bite me in the ass. What's the, can you look up the line for this game really quickly? It's already six. It's at six. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm still taking the Saints then. Um, yeah, I just don't believe in Kirk Cousins, right? Yeah, I, I don't believe in – I mean, I he's think been that good. He's but, been good. But, like, away. Dalvin Cook injured. Well, right. yeah, he's going to be questionable probably for this game. But Ma- coming back after an injury. Yeah. Madison, too, as well. Like, yeah, like, we'll, we'll we'll have to see. And, yeah, I don't fully trust Kirk Cousins here, even though I think he's played pretty well. But the Saints team, it's just they're talented, well-coached. Everything is kind of running and humming for this team. So uh, I think that they take care of business, and um, we'll see a lot more of the Saints. Yeah, I got the Saints here, too. But I think the big thing here is, like, whether or not the run game is going to be able to balance out for the Vikings because they've relied so much on that run game throughout the year. And when they have, like with Dalvin Cook running the ball at extremely high levels, they've been a, an extremely efficient offense and that ha- that has been able to put up points, um, especially taking advantage of Kirk Cousins' skill set in terms of setting up the play-action pass. So... If Dalvin Cook is 95% there against the Saints team, and the Saints team has a really stout run run defense as well, yep. um, if he's able to provide some semblance of a running game uh, for the Vikings, then that definitely raises the odds for the Vikings. But I just don't love it. Everything's stacked against them. They're on the road in the Dome, Superdome. It's going to be really tough for them. And for that, I have the Saints. Um, yeah, I, I just take every... Like, the Vikings defense has not traveled well historically. Um, I take Alvin Kamara over Dalvin Cook. I take Michael Thomas over uh, Thielen and, and Diggs. I take Drew Brees over Kirk Cousins. I take Sean Payton, right? Yeah, like and I, I, I wonder, I just like... Think everywhere, the Saints should win this. Yeah. They're typically a pretty consistent team, barring that... Um, Unlikely loss to, uh, I believe, yeah, the Falcons. Right, right, right earlier in the season. So, so yeah, we're both taking the Saints here. Yeah, I think we're in lockstep agreement with the Saints um, here. So, Mike, Eagles versus Seahawks. Who do you have in this game? Is there a second upset special coming for you, Mike? I, I don't think it's an upset. I mean, the line Seahawks minus one here. I know that the Oh, I meant going the other way of you oh, taking, the, no, no, no. taking the home dog. I think the Eagles are uh you know, they're at home, but I don't think that NFC East has just been a, a train wreck. So the Seahawks looked pretty good tonight. 
they were able. I mean, who who was that running back like that? Oh, Travis Homer. Travis um, Homer. Yeah, he looked he, good. Yeah, he was a late round pick, I believe, from the University of Miami. Um, he's been on special teams all year for Seattle. Um, and they've kind of run into this running back problem with uh, Penny and Carson being ruled out for the rest of the season. They signed um, Robert Turbin and Marshawn Lynch, who's back, scored a touchdown tonight, got his skittles in the end zone. But you have the Seahawks as well in this game. Yeah, I have the Seahawks here. Um, Can you? All right. So, hmm. yeah, I, I the reason why I was kind of, trouble i was having a little bit of trouble in trying to determine who the winner of this game would be um obviously the home thing with with uh philly being a home dog that is kind of like a really interesting wrinkle to all this especially it's a tough place to play yeah tough place to play the i mean the eagles have so many guys like a ton of guys on IR like I like and then it was reported Zach Ertz is going to be out uh for the rest of the season with a lacerated kidney I believe um so Dallas Goddard is going to be taking his place at tight end who's been very serviceable and productive at the tight end position but they're literally on their last legs in terms of um in terms of like the the personnel they're putting out there yep. um, in terms of offensive weapons. So th- I I don't know if they would have enough. Like, I really want to be bold enough where I would take the Eagles as home dogs, but I think I might just go away team here and go with the Seahawks. Yeah, you. what I've seen from Miles and Sanders... And, like, I, I feel like as the game happens on Sunday, I'm going to be kicking myself and sh- been just been like, I should have just taken the Eagles. But I'm going yeah. with the Seahawks. Yeah, I mean, what we've seen from Miles Sanders has been really impressive. With Ertz out, who's their leading, you know, wide receiver, like, you know. Pass catching. Pass catcher, yeah. to be honest. Yep. Um, and the most talented pass catcher on that team. It's it, it's hard to see, like, how the Eagles put up a decent amount of points here. Um, it's going to be a huge Miles Sanders game. But you would think that the Seahawks would scheme and try and, you know, always have their, honestly, linebacker, um, have his eyes on Sanders the entire game. So I I think that, for me, it comes down to, like, Russell Wilson being able to take advantage of this very weak Eagle secondary um, and me having a lot of faith in his ability to do that. And also the Eagles just not having enough talent right right now just because of the injuries. Yeah, and I, I mean, Seattle's has by no means, like, a, there's not a huge talent gap because Seattle has there are they they've been struggling with some injuries as well. On Tyler, the, yeah, Ty- run game. yeah, Tyler Lockett went out late in the game today, um, tonight, and there, you know, we'll see whether or not he'll be available for the game next week. But they're also dealing with injury concerns, and they're fairly thin. Um, I'm I I think the big thing for me when choosing Seattle is maybe the just like the playoff experience that Wilson has and maybe him just being a lot more comfortable in that position in comparison to Car- someone like Carson Wentz while the Eagles went on that fairy tale playoff run with uh, Nick Foles Wentz hasn't really proven that much in the playoffs so I wonder if he's going to be able to show that 
um, this upcoming weekend and kind of cement his legacy with the Eagles. And I, I just ultimately don't think they're going to be able to do that. And that's why I'm going with Seattle here as well. Um, mm. in, and then in terms of like the coaching matchup between Peterson and Carroll, that's like another one with a lot, you know, both of those guys have Super Bowl winning um, pedigree there. So I feel like it's a fairly even matchup um, coaching wise. So there isn't that much that separates the teams. It's more about like the Eagles being so injured right now and lacking in depth um, in the past ca- catching options that I'm a little worried that they're not going to be able to um, take advantage of some of the deficiencies of Seattle's some of Seattle's uh, pass uh, like game and slash secondary. Yep. So I uh, I agree. I mean, I think that we're pretty much in lockstep here with most y- of our picks. Yep, and you're going out on the line with the Titans. So I'm going to go with the Titans. Remember I the Titans, man. I commend you for that, Mike, um, if they're able to pull it out. So, Mike, as we kind of start closing out the podcast, um, it's only natural as we start the playoffs and before the playoffs actually occur this weekend – for us to give our Super Bowl picks before um, any games start in the playoffs. So, Mike, why don't we both give our AFC Championship game and NFC Championship game and then give our Super Bowl game and then give our winner slash prediction of the Super Bowl. Um, so, Mike, who do you have in the AFC Championship game, NFC Championship game, and then Super Bowl and then winners? Yep, so I'm going to go AFC Championship, Baltimore Ravens versus Kansas City Chiefs. I think that they're just a notch above every other team here in the AFC. Um, And for the NFC, I'm going to put the 49ers and the Saints um, as my NFC Championship. And for my Super Bowl matchup, I'll put the Chiefs. Interesting. I'll put the Chiefs. Okay. They, They won the matchup against the Ravens earlier in the season. Okay. They've been... I mean, Mahomes hasn't looked particularly good, which is the most concerning part. But, God, I really hope Andy Reid just is able to, <laughs> to <laughs> shake the play. Like, I, I, I could see a really questionable call coming in, like, I don't know. I just, you know, forgetting to do a timeout, like, some kind of uh, delay of game penalty. Something messes up the Chiefs. Um, even last season like they would have won the game i believe if remember d ford or someone yep, wasn't d, like d ford went off sides and then ended up giving uh brady the five yards to get that first down and then it ended up uh they won the super yeah, bowl they so, won the super bowl so, so we don't need to relive that one again so the ravens have been incredibly hot but they're not playoff tested and we'll see with you know having the ability to game plan around you know lamar for a few weeks I think that might be helpful. So for me, I'm going to go Chiefs there um, for the AFC to represent. And for the NFC, I'm going to go with the Saints. Interesting. Okay. That And then and then Super Bowl winner. So my Super Bowl winner will be the Saints. Okay. That is a, a really interesting um, prediction right there. Uh, Mike, we have 
very different um, predictions. So it'll be really interesting to see which one bears out. So for the AFC Championship game, I actually have the Baltimore Ravens versus, guess who, New England Patriots. Um, it's it's not a exciting pick, but I think it can be fair. I think a, some people might be caught off guard by New England making it that far and beating basically ultimately beating the Chiefs, and that's kind of what I'm predicting. Um, I just think maybe the Patriots have something there. Uh, the Chiefs are definitely – they have a more explosive offense, but I think the Patriots' defense will do just enough. But I actually have Baltimore going into the Super Bowl. Um, I think I'm on the hype train, and, like, they've, they, haven't, they haven't proven us, like – 14 and 2 best record. Yeah, they haven't proven for us to like believe anything different with the way they've played. The the playoff experience is a little bit of a concern, but I think the coaching staff will have them well prepared because Harbaugh's experienced in terms of like winning a Super Bowl um in a previous regime, maybe not with these players, but um he has the wherewithal to know how to prepare yep. a team. So I, I'm a little bit more confident. I just think that Baltimore is such a well-balanced team, offensively and defensively, that I like them over the Patriots in the AFC Championship game, especially being at home in Baltimore. Yep. Um, and then in the NFC. So it's kind of interesting because the Saints are sitting at 13-3, and three and they're this attractive pick. Um but I'm a little bit concerned about them making it to the NFC Championship game and their them being your Super Bowl pick and Super Bowl winner. They are clearly an impressive team. I'm just concerned about Drew B- Brees potentially playing in Lambeau Field when it's 15 degrees outside. Mm. Um, and that I think, I and think that that's was fair. I think that was the huge concern for me as them for them to drop down to the three seed and why ultimately the San Francisco Seattle game with Nick or um or Jacob Hollister getting stopped at the one inch line being so important in terms of being a what if um if he ended up scoring because then the Saints are the two seed and I would I think if the Saints were a two seed I think I would feel so much better about them um potentially you know, having only one game to play um, yep. on the road. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a major worry. But for me, the Packers haven't looked impressive. No, yeah, I, I'm not. I haven't been super impressed with the Packers, to be honest. So for me, I think the, the Saints win that game. I, 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 I hear the concern with that. but And it is like it's always tough to not go with one of these top two seeds because they just have to play another game. Another team has another week to prepare, but for me, um, yeah, no, I've been I've been pretty impressed with the Saints, so I'll uh, I'll, I'll take them over the Packers and then over the uh, 49ers. Yeah, so I have and and I was I think the stat the NBC um, people were talking about tonight was the last six Super Bowls, a pl- like all the participants have come from a one or two seed which is kind of crazy to think about. Um, so that is a really interesting little wrinkle there. So that kind of had a, I guess, um, I guess like an, an influence on some of the picks that I had. Um, so I actually have Packers, um, 49ers 
in the NFC Championship game with the Saints in mind. And I don't feel great about it because I love, like, the Saints and how they've been playing. Um, and then I actually have the um, Green Bay Packers going to the Super Bowl with Baltimore winning the Super Bowl. Interesting. The Packers. Yeah. I just... They've struggled. No, they've really struggled. But I think it'll be really interesting to kind of see that. So, uh, Aaron Rodgers, I'm putting my faith in you. Don't let me down. Um, I might I might put some money on these games. I'm not going to lie. I, I actually feel pretty good uh, about some of these picks. And so. then and then I feel like I'm going to be waffling in some of in some of my picks. So I don't feel entirely confident. But yeah, um, that's kind of my look slash take on that um, and the Super Bowl. So I have the Baltimore Ravens winning. So hopefully Lamar can take me to the promised land. And Michael has the New Orleans Saints, who I have losing to the Packers in the divisional round. So that's going to be a big point of contention um, there. And so we'll see what ends up happening this wild card weekend. I'm going to be sitting down, watching a ton of football, ordering pizza, doing all that stuff uh, to watch football. So, Mike, what... um, what are we talking about next to close out the podcast? I think uh, I think we're gonna talk about some of the holiday uh, Christmas, Christmas gifts, gifts. Yep. that we got, and then we'll talk about maybe some a look a look forward into the twenty twenty, a look forward into some of our New Year's resolutions. Um, maybe not getting super in depth on it because honestly, I haven't thought about them yet. But um, yeah. maybe okay. So maybe we save resolutions for next year. Or next year, <laughs> ha ha ha. Um, but let's talk about Christmas gifts. What'd you get, Mike? That uh, kind of excited you, or what did what gift did you give? More importantly, to mom that we've been using endlessly in the house. But uh, I got a I got mom a hyper ice. Right? So. To explain what a hyper ice is, a hyper ice is this thing um, that's like a glorified massager that basically just kind of like, um, like literally just like is a jackhammer of a massager and it like at high speeds um, basically is very um, good at massaging like different parts of your bodies and muscles. So it it's been widely used in the Wu household. This. Uh, couple yeah. of past couple of days yeah so the, it's it's like a massage gun jackhammer thing um but yeah you just put it on some sore muscles so me and my dad have been going um to the gym every day basically and it's just nice to use that for like 15 minutes after the workout it works pretty amazingly so definitely recommend it to anyone who needs like a a nice massage solution um and we are not being sponsored by them so if they want to sponsor us that would be great wow yeah (laughs) (laughs) wow imagine we get a spot that yeah that would be incredible but um we'd love free stuff um yep so that's been great actually from you mike thank you i got airpod pros so um i've been using those gloriously um, great younger brother here in the gym so that's been great um to utilize my parents have been rocking out their pajamas that were um homemade slash like made by hand 
right by our cousins, uh, Katarina. So shout out to her uh, making them pajama pants. Uh, they're in super love comfy. Yeah, super comfy. They're in love with those. Um, so check those out. Yeah. Um, and for the AirPods, those were actually for dad. <laughs> But uh, basically, I, he's te- I, technologically inept, so he's like, I can't figure this out. Yeah, so, so I, I tried giving the AirPod Pros to my dad, and uh, it just, you know, something for him to use when he works out since he's getting into that. But he just didn't want to listen to music, apparently. And, you know, I had to set up the Spotify family plan for him. That old um, school versus new school mentality. Right. Yeah, I tried seeing if he wanted to listen to podcasts. So he was just not interested in listening to music while working out or podcasts or anything. Um, so basically, we're so Kevin got a free pair of AirPod Pros. <laughs> yeah, and basically, we're yearning for our dad to listen to our own to our own podcast on the weekend. So or while he works out. So that was a really those were some cool gifts that we ended up getting, giving, using throughout this holiday season. Um, and Mike, look back on 20, hey, why don't we do a look back into 2019 right now? Mm. One thing that you remember for 2019 that you will cherish slash reflect on and be like, that was cool. Look back into 2019, something that I cherished. Huh. If I had to define this year, most of it was related to working at, uh, my startup, to be honest. Wow, such Scale. a SF tech bro. All right. Um, in terms of memorable things, I actually can't. Wow, it's interesting. I can't think of too much. Um, definitely have a lot of good work stories. Um, able to accomplish a lot. I think that this was a year where I think we started off at the startup around like 20, you know, we were around like 40 people, and now it's around like 150. So that's been really exciting to see just how like fast this startup has grown. I've learned a ton uh, from just working there, from the people around me, and just being able to like learn how to execute and get get shit done. So it's I can't really point to a particular moment, but I think that the journey while working at the startup has been really interesting and exciting so far. So that's uh, that's my 2019. 2019 for me, I'm ready to turn the new page into 2020. Pretty tough year, um, finishing up law school. So uh, just keep grinding for that. Um, So, yeah, um, looking back, um, yeah, it was a tough year, but I'm always looking forward um, to the next year and always looking forward to improving the podcast, of course, and making it better, bigger. Hopefully we'll have – I'm actually trying to work on some – of the website and maybe possibly have some additional written content as well. So that would be really cool to work on for 2020. So that's part of my resolution. So, yeah. So if listeners have any ideas, just feel free to shoot us. Shoot uh, Yeah. Shoot shoot a message. Yeah. So maybe we'll start at Instagram and all that stuff. So guys, thanks again for listening to the podcast. Get excited for the NFL playoffs. Um, because, I know me and Michael are. We'll definitely be watching all the games. I'm sure Michael will be watching from Aruba or wherever he is this weekend. So, guys, thanks again for listening to the NFL Wild Card Preview Podcast. And make sure to tune in for next week as well.